Hi, I'm Tom W. Metz III from Los Angeles, California. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Yeah, ungrateful bastards. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of young America. Maximum fun, maximum fun, maximum fun. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne, back from a quick vacation to do a little marrying and honeymooning. This week's guest on the program is the band The Hold Steady. This is the single from The Hold Steady's new album, Stay Positive. It's called Sequestered in Memphis. Texas, 
The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests on the program, Tad Kubler and Craig Finn of the band The Hold Steady. Their brand new record album is called Stay Positive. It's uh, it's a collection of um, anthemic songs, uh, often fun, sometimes tinged with sadness, with uh, something that I really like to hear, a lot of hand clap breaks. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, my uh, my uh, associate Chris over here went was went to your show last night and told me there was just a there was a lot of really awesome hand clapping. There is a there's kind of a double time uh, hand clap thing oh. that I started doing and the audience has gotten pretty good at doing it at the right parts. So. Does it take does it take something to get them on board with it? You kind of introduce it in the show and uh-huh. then you bring it back in the middle, but then at the end in the encore, they've really got it down. Because you can't you can't just throw it in full bore and expect them to maintain double time clapping. No, 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 no. You, you warm them up. You get them used to it. So you, the two of you uh, were in another band before you started uh, the Hold Stay that, uh, that was significantly different. And it it feels like to me from from reading interviews and, and hearing you talk about uh, the hold steady that you had a very particular idea of what kind of band you wanted to make when you started the hold steady. Is that is that fair, Craig? You're you're yeah. giving a funny look. No, 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 it's not funny. I was just thinking uh, the best way to phrase it. I think that I uh, coming out of Lifter Polar, which is sort of part of the indie and uh, indie scene or punk scene. Uh, there was this uh, wanting to be different than classic or I guess maybe straight ahead rock and just kind of I think the whole steady allowed us or you know the genesis of it was embracing straight ahead just down the middle rock and roll and um, finding kind of the fun in that and uh, not you know not not trying to be weird or tricky at any points but just saying like this sounds good and um I think when you know being into punk and indie music and then working backwards to classic rock, um, you know I found that I you know I put on my Rolling Stones records more than I would you know anything from the last ten years. So I mean I think it was a natural progression, but it was just something um, kind of finding some some beauty and simplicity. It, it seems like. Um when you're making punk rock or you're making indie rock, you're kind of defining yourself against a mainstream of straight-ahead rock. I mean, even as much as you may have loved whatever uh, Led Zeppelin, um, you're often thinking of yourself as being different from those people. I agree with you, except that I think that uh, it, it's especially at a certain age. Like when you're 18 and you decide you're into punk rock, you're decidedly not into Zeppelin. And, you know, getting a little older, becoming 30 years old, you can be like, God, I like, you know, I like Ornette Coleman. I like Led Zeppelin. I like the Misfits. Um, and to me, they all work together. But, you know, I think when it's a huge part of your identity when you're 18, you're like, I am indie rock guy. Look at my Death Cab for Cutie t-shirt. Do you think what it was that changed uh, for you was just getting older? Or was there something else that changed that made you... Uh, that made you want to do this thing that was so against the grain of the uh, kind of indie punk scene? I think what seeing the bands that were around, you know, there there seemed to be an absence of of just kind of like the straight rock band. Well, for me too, it's like that's you know when you when, if you're going to be a guitar player when you get your first guitar and you're 11 or 12 years old, um, you're not, you haven't at that point I wasn't exposed to punk rock and and really at being a guitar player your guitar heroes are are Jimmy Page, they're Angus Young, they're Ted Nugent, stuff like that. So that's 
essentially how you try to you know start to learn your instrument is by listening to what they're doing and and mimic um you know what what you hear on those records and then you know you you you're exposed to punk rock and you're like well it, it also it 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 transitions into like, wait a minute, I can get up in front of people and play at the level of skill that I have and form a band and write songs. And that's what's, that was, was so great about punk rock um, coming out of a kind of a, a club, more of a classic rock upbringing. Tell me about, Tad, as, as a guitarist, um, what was exciting for you about uh, leaving that punk rock milieu and, and, you know, playing in a band where maybe you get to rip out a sweet soul right. every well, once in a while? Well, I mean, that's obviously that's part of it. And I know that, uh, that people talk about that, too. It's like, well, you do like, you know, these kind of grandiose guitar solos and you don't you don't hear that a lot in, in indie or punk rock. But I think if that's not necessarily true. I think sometimes if you look hard enough, you might or there's a lot more in common with kind of traditional rock music in a lot of the indie rock that that I hear now too, um, Ted Leo being one of the biggest ones. I mean, he's a phenomenal guitar player. Um, Elliot Smith being somebody too who was really a fantastic guitar player, and I think that a lot of times uh, maybe his the, the mood of his songs kind of overshadowed him as a as a as a guitar player. You know, people think of him more as a songwriter, but uh, I think that by not you know, kind of just playing rock music and not really having trends define your style of music or, or what how you, how you play. Um, it allows you to to you know you you never have to compartmentalize anything. You can kind of do whatever you want and whatever you're feeling at the moment. What was it that you got to do each of you that felt like it was something that you could really follow without having to worry about you know genre boundaries? For me, I think it's the big thing is when we wrote songs that kind of. I don't want to say wrote themselves, but on the, you know, in the, um, especially on the early records, there's some stuff like breaks that don't have to go just four or eight bars. You know, if we're on stage, I can, you know, say, let's go a little longer. I want to talk over this part and can keep it a little looser. And I think that, um, that makes it more fun to play music. I think that being able to, you know, if you see a band like a math rock kind of indie rock band, they're so com- it's compo- being composed, but it's like a lockstep. It's really choreography rather than listening and hearing. And I think the most fun thing about this versus other things we've done is that to be able to like, you do this part and I'll do my part, and we're ready. We're we'll all get to that other part, and um, it, it keeps your head in the game a lot more when, especially when you're playing, you know, three hundred shows a year. I was watching you guys play on Letterman the other day, and uh, you played uh, you played the single from this record, and uh, that has to be the most curious phrase to choose as a sing along chorus. <laughs> Tell me, Craig, wh- why you why you chose it? That's exactly it. I was sort of just joking around with those words, and I thought, God, this is like kind of a tongue twister for a you know a sing along. So it's not as corny as just being a straight sing along because it's it's weird. And uh, and I love phrases that maybe um, that you can tell a whole bunch of a story in like a couple words. So subpoenaed in Texas, sequestered in Memphis, six words, and it's already you're already like, what? What happened? How? Why? How did that? Where did that phrase come from? Do you remember? No, not really. Um, it, I just was humming it, and then uh, I, I actually called a friend of ours who was a lawyer and asked him to make sure I was using the <laughs> words correctly, and then um, kind of came up with the story from there. The only thing I've been saying is like I've initially never... it was something about voir dire, and he yeah, had to make you change it. We, uh, um, I, you know, the only thing I can say is 
We've been to both Memphis and Texas, and they both look like places you can get in a hell of a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. My my favorite um, my favorite track on the new record is actually uh, is actually the opening track, which is called "Constructive Summer." It's a it's a song that packs a lot of a lot of emotional punch. There's a lot of kind of sadness and desperation in the first verse and a real statement of a real statement of purpose through the last two thirds of the song and kind of a statement of identity right at the right at the top. Hold Steady with Constructive Summer from their new album, Stay Positive. Did you write that song with, with the idea of of it being kind of a, uh, almost like a, a manifesto for the for the LP? Yeah, sort of an opener thesis statement, if you will. Um, yeah, I, 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 well, I mean, one of the reasons it came up is, is Ted had the riff, but I was, we were also like, you know, very practically looking at when is this record going to come out? And I said... It's going to come out in the summer. We need a summer song right up front. And um, Celebrated Summer was always uh, my, my favorite Husker Du song. And then there was also the Revolution Summer, the chapter around D.C. Hardcore, I believe, in 1985. And both kind of came up at the same time, and I thought of Constructive Summer. I, I was actually thinking of that scene from the Harrison Ford movie Witness where they're building the barn. And, uh, and the idea of you know trying to not to let your summer slip away. Obviously, when you're a you know, high school student, your mom, you know parents are always like, well, you know, why don't you do something this summer? So there's this kind of idea of like let, let's let's make something happen this summer. How, how does that re- how does that idea r- resonate for you musically, Tad? Like how do you how do you express that idea of um, of this kind of uh, this kind of sadness being turned into work and the making of a thing? Uh, we had, we kind of had that before the lyrics, I, I think. Um, but then I guess we wrote the break, right? Maybe. It uh, well, the I mean, the song for me was the when I when I originally wrote the you know was writing the the guitar part for it. 
it was I I kind of always saw it as an opening song to a record because it's it the riff is very similar to um, Hello There a Cheap Trick song that opens uh, their second record in color, um, and then when Bobby came in with with the with the the initial drum fill in the beginning there too it, it really kind of congealed that way, um, and in in terms of like you know we knew the record was going to come out in the summer and I, I always remember like you know being being in high school and and you know driving around you know you've got that one friend that has his own car and uh you guys you know you're grabbing your skateboards and going to a particular spot where you skate or a particular party and there's always that one song that everybody listens to all summer um and i think that i hope we accomplish that with with that song it's the sound of young america i'm jesse thorne we'll have more with the hold steady in just a minute production of the sound of young america is supported in part by ask metafilter thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com the sound of young america is proud to present 826 la's fall time yuck fest september 10th at the avalon in hollywood california performers include tim and eric pat Oswalt, bill burr al madrigal and jimmy pardo and all proceeds benefit the 826 la literary center which provides one-on-one tutoring and reading and writing for los angeles school children You can find out more information by visiting MaximumFun.org and clicking on Live. Oh, also, there will be performing dogs. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are two of the members of the band The Hold Steady. These days the band is based in New York, but their roots go very deep into the Minneapolis, Minnesota music scene. Do you think that there's something midwestern about what you're doing? Do you think that you're in do you think that you're informed by place in any way? I think the one thing that I always think about is sort of the wide open spaces of the Midwest and the reliance you have on automobiles. And, you know, we grew up in an era before alternative rock radio. So I, I do think that there's some connection, in, at least in my mind, to classic rock and driving and being in a car. And uh, even if I was at my most punk rock or hardcore phase of my life, I always listened to classic rock in the, in the car. Even then you were unable to drive 55. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Ted? I would say that that's... Also, that's definitely growing up where I grew up. You know, Craig was lucky enough to grow up in the Twin Cities that had such an extremely great music culture. Where growing up in kind of a, a small town in Wisconsin, you weren't exposed to punk rock. You really had to, you know, I mean, not that you didn't. Also, in the era that we grew up in general, had to really go out and search for it. But you didn't have bands that came through town on tour that you could go see. Um, you didn't have bands in town that were playing anything but like Cinderella covers at at you know like kind of a the the bowling alley bar or something like that so um it's just it's 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 part of it it's the first music you're really exposed to um and the other thing too is is in the car you know you're always going to hear a great steve miller song um and i think that you definitely equate that with um kind of a a very midwestern sort of i don't want to say necessarily blue collar but but not metropolitan you know It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. Uh, my guests are the Hold Steady, or two of the members of the Hold Steady, Tad and Craig. Their brand new album is called Stay Positive. I, I read uh, I read an interview where where you described the title track from the new CD, Craig, as being uh, being one of the most directly personal records uh, that you've written, and certainly the most directly personal on the album. What 
How, why did it, why do you think it came out that way? Well, I was I was writing the we were writing the record, and I kind of thought it would be interesting after four records of largely characters that aren't me to to take a little break and talk about me for a second and say you know so it's a, and it, and it was true it was like you know the, the success that we've had as a band has led me to reconnect with a lot of friends and um, it was also about becoming a little more more of a public figure well we're certainly far from a household name the past year or so i've definitely made adjustments in my life as to like what i'm doing out in public you know especially with the blogs and all that that happen now and 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 just becoming more aware of it and being recognized places so stay positive i kind of thought was this window kind of you know in or out of the other story you know out of the the story that's progressing in another dimension so to speak and um yeah, I think it was just kind of a fun a fun thing I was kind of playing around with, and it ended up being kind of a cool song. And it's a pretty good feeling Yeah, it feels pretty good I get a lot of double takes when I'm coming around the corners And it's mostly pretty nice Yeah, it's mostly pretty alright Cause most kids give me credit For being down with it When it was back in the day Back when things were way different When the youth of today In the early seven seconds Taught me some of life's most valuable lessons It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Tad Kubler and Craig Finn of the rock and roll band The Hold Steady. Craig, it feels like you um, you approach writing the lyrics of these songs from uh, uh, this, a similar perspective to how, say, a, a fiction writer might approach them. Um, that's certainly not unique, but it is kind of unusual in the in the world of rock music. Was was that a choice? Was there a reason that you wanted to write that kind of song rather than just uh, writing directly from your own perspective? Well, I think I, you always make music that is kind of like the music you'd want to hear, and I, I think hearing like Springsteen records or something like that, you know, we'd say Jung, Jungle Land being a great example of this real cinematic piece with all these characters coming in and out, and there's this, you know, it's like a big uh, the story arc, and I, 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 songwriters are often expected to be confessional in some way, and that didn't interest me um, as much as you know trying to tell these big um, cinematic, you know, in scope stories. It, it seems like there's also a, a very strong, uh, a very strong tone that it, it, as long as you keep it really small and personal, you can't be wrong. Right, right. Does that mean something to you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know what I'd say about that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things you do is you do. If you use a songwriter, you try to use specific examples to explain something universal. So you know, if you mention a street corner that you really that you really lived on or something, then maybe people don't know what that what that corner is like. But if you're doing a good job enough of your song, they can kind of feel get the feel. Can you give me an example of a, of something like that that you felt like? Well, you I mean, were proud I can of? say, and oh, and as far as, my, um, yeah, I'd say, um, 
uh, you know, in Party Pit from Boys and Girls in America record, I talk about the Grain Belt Bridge. And in, in Minneapolis, it's not called the Grain Belt Bridge, but there's this big bridge with a big Grain Belt beer sign on it. And I think that everyone who's ever been in Minneapolis would know what I'm talking about from like, oh, the Grain Belt Bridge. But of course, that's not its name. I think it's the Hennepin Avenue Bridge. <laughs> but, um, you know, but either way, I think that people, um, whether they've been to Minneapolis or not, would get the idea that it's a, a big bridge, you know, a big urban bridge. And, you know, one of those bridges on the side of the city that leads over the river, that's probably the reason the city's there in the first place. Rock and roll, uh, uh, a lot of times, particularly when it gets this kind of big, I guess is the word that I would use to describe it, is, you know, people tend to transform themselves in some way and, you know, you know, Kiss wears makeup and, you know... A, a friend of this program, Andrew W.K., decided that when he was going to make the biggest rock and roll records ever, he was going to only wear a specific pair of blue jeans and and, uh, and a white T-shirt and the same pair of sneakers every time. Right. Just to kind of match the clarity of making something that's really big. I watched um, I watched a bit that you did on the uh, on the Late Show the other day yeah. with another friend of the program, Andy Kindler, mm-hmm. and uh, probably I thought the I thought the sweetest and funniest part of the whole video was the two of you walking in <laughs> and Andy, who's a very nebbishy guy, saying, "Hey, you look like me." <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> to you, have you ever have you ever thought about? doing something to become larger than life or was it a self-conscious choice to it's a conscious, to be a glasses guy you can't well i mean there's obviously a lot of things you can do other wear glasses these days so yeah. it's part of my look um i think that the one thing is, is like i mean from the get-go of the hold steady is that we wanted to i wanted to be as honest you know obviously i'm just saying that my songs aren't necessarily about me but being an honest in presentation and that like this is the clothes we wear. Um, this is how we are. Because if you're not attached to a, you know, a musical trend or how the press is reporting music, this sound or that sound or this group of bands, then when that goes away, then they can't take it away from you. So you know, it's part of creating something that's timeless. Like, I mean, even I think how I dress if I wasn't in a band would be like this, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of date 20 years ago or probably 20 years from now. Tad, um, I, I know that the building of these songs often starts with you coming up with a sweet monster riff. Tell me a little bit about the process of of making one of these big, beautiful tunes. Well, that, that's true to to a certain extent, but I think that on this new record, especially, we tried to see what else we could do besides coming up with just this huge riff um, and adding a little more dynamics to the song. And 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 you know, there's a lot of songs that are. Um, you know, we tried. I tried to write on the acoustic guitar or scale back the volume a little bit, and else in in terms of that. But you know, usually it's just in terms of coming up with song ideas. It's a combination of you know, kind of walking around wherever I am um, and humming, or you think of something, or uh, you know, you you kind of start to get something stuck in your head, or just sitting down and, and playing every day. I mean, I try to I pick up the guitar, you know, every morning for a few hours, and whatever comes up, you know, I, I'll I'll try to start with that. Um, it's not it doesn't seem like a lot of insomnia too, especially when we get off the road. It's hard to adjust, and I figure if that if I'm not sleeping, I might as well be doing something productive. So I just play guitar, and that's there were several songs on the record that came up that way. 
Are you writing lyrics to music, or are you writing lyrics independently of music? I write, I write, it's kind of both. I mean, I write sort of like prose, just scrawling things out, little lines or little ideas that I have are funny, and then when I get something from Tad, I sort of start to fit them and edit them and, you know, kind of take blocks and build build into things. So um, I lift, lift them out of these books I make. Um, so I don't write to a specific meter, for instance, um, when I'm writing it the first time, but then I edit it to make sure it fits in that meter. In that process of tying these two things together and building upon these both sides, does it uh, does it ever go someplace that you really didn't expect? Either musically, th- thematically, do you, do you ever get something that surprises you out of it? There is a process of writing a record because I think we write albums in you know in album write albums rather than just groups of songs. There is a process that some sort. Maybe six songs in, it might sort of reveal itself to me. Some, some of what I'm, I know what I'm trying to say, like 80% of what I'm trying to say, and then 20% is like, oh yeah. I think there's also musically a process where when bringing into the band, um, especially with the bridge, I feel like the the bridge or the outro. Franz is a, a you know a well-schooled musician. You're a keyboard player. Yeah, Franz, our piano player, and. Uh, I think he can take things sometimes some places where we didn't expect ourselves to go. <laughs> Dad, you look like you're agreeing no, he, yeah, with his, that. No, Fra- Franz is great to write music with because he has a very different perspective. Uh, kind of what Craig was saying before too, in terms of of how you know how we've we, we've developed, I guess, our sound or the ba- or what the band is. It's it's kind of like if it if it sounds good, it is good, um, and it's not. It doesn't have to be any more complex than that. It doesn't have to be quirky. We don't have to try to do something different. It's just and and I think that Franz has a. Uh, I think Franz also looks at things the same way but he has a he has the knowledge to know why they sound good right. um and that's a, it's interesting to 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 work with somebody like that because it's not as from the hip maybe as like i, I might come up with with uh, as i approach the songwriting process i guess um and and that's really great and then you know but you know we, bobby and galen too have as a as the as rhythm section as tight as they are together also uh bring a lot of perspective and and bring a lot to the table in the process it was just like you put it to When you're writing a song, sometimes you know there can be an accident or something that leads to the outro or the bridge that often makes the song. Yeah, Sapphire from this record, and it was kind of um, it was decent, but it was muddling. But he really got somehow he heard something in Bobby's playing, got this big Keith Moon ending out of him um, that that just made it kind of blow through the roof. Jesse Thorne, the Hold Steady, are my rock and roll guests right here on The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI. You, you guys have written so many, uh, so many really uh, evocative records about um, 
about being a teenager, which is this time in your life when popular music and, you know, sweet rock and roll songs is so enormously powerful. But, you know, er earlier on in this interview, Craig, you said that you saw one of the big themes of this record as being about, um, about, to paraphrase, being a grown-up. Yeah. Um, how does how does that theme how does that theme play out? Well, I think it's stay positive, and the title even sort of means to me, you know, you you get in a little older, and you, you know, people oftentimes give up on things that they wanted, you know, that, that that they held dear at one point, and you know, it's like how many people I know in rock bands that you know just decided, oh, I'm you know, I got to go to law school, and it's not because their parents are making them, it's because they feel like to be an, a worthy adult that they have to start producing in some way. And, you know, a lot of times when they get to my age, which is older than 30, they can get bitter and angry. And, um, you know, I think positive, staying positive is about becoming an adult. You know, I want to be a responsible member of society, have a family, things like that. But, you know, holding on to some things that are really important to you not giving up them, because I think when you give those things up, you aren't doing anyone a favor. Most certainly you're not yourself. Uh, I I read that I, I read that you guys uh, uh, put out a record for uh, the Minnesota Twins. Well, we recorded recorded a song. a song for the for the for the benefit of the Minnesota Twins and the paying attendance at their baseball games. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it made me think of this, and I I hate for you to think think that what I'm saying is meant as a slight, but mm-hmm. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, and in mm-hmm. the San Francisco Bay Area. There's absolutely zero doubt that the ultimate number one all-time bar band is now and forever will be Huey Lewis and the News. I knew you were going to say this. Um, and I wonder, I, I wonder if, um, and one of the reasons that they are is because you know those guys are in their mid fifties. I yeah. mean, they were they were older when they uh, when they had their big string of hits. Those guys are in their mid fifties, and every time there's something important happens in the Bay Area, <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News are there. They're the guys yeah. who sing uh, sing the national anthem sure. on opening day, and they're the guys who uh, headline the biggest New Year's Eve event. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Would you guys be happy when you're in your mid fifties to be to be that kind of to be that kind of mainstay? I think it would be fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that like I'd certainly rather be that than you know the band that um, dressed up in a certain outfit at the exact right time, had a huge record, and then was you know dropped from their their major label in two years. You know. Bet you the, the the Huey Lewis and the News, the guys in the band have had a ton of fun uh, throughout their career, and uh, I think that that you know, I mean, we're getting back to the bar band. I think that's more worth emulating than you know trying to be flavor of the month. Well, Tad Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Sound of Young America. It was awesome. really fun to have you. Thanks you for thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. The Hold Steady's brand new album is called Stay Positive. They're just wrapping up a tour of the United States and headed to Europe. You can find more information about the band and grab that CD at myspace.com slash theholdsteady. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson and myself, interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. This week's show was edited by Nick White. Our intern is Chris Bowman. My dog's name is Coco the Brown Dog. 
I hope you'll find us online at MaximumFun.org where there is all kinds of cool stuff, including our other shows like Jordan Jesse Go, which has been making some pretty monumental strides numbers-wise against The Sound of Young America. Give it a listen and find out why. We've also got a brand new season of Coil and Sharp, The Imposters, going up on the website. And in just a few weeks, we'll be launching uh, our first new MaximumFun.org podcast in quite some time. That's a secret for now, though. If you have any thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email is jesse at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you later this week on The Sound of Young America. 